Hello and welcome to Classic Vinyl Podcast, a podcast where we listen to and review an album for you or for someone. For the world to enjoy. Exactly. We just got done listening to Steppenwolf's debut album, Steppenwolf. And well, that's a, their debut. It is. And I am one of your hosts, Justin. And I am uh, the other host here, um, Tyler, and I should have read my notes because there it says their debut album. Well, we just got done listening to it. So tonight we got a pretty interesting album. This was suggested to us by listener Jeff from Denver, Colorado. He wanted to hear some Steppenwolf, and I thought, what better album to pick than their debut album? The the self-titled debut album. Exactly. So let me, Steppenwolf. So let me give you a little bit of history about Steppenwolf. Kind of a mix between an American and a Canadian band, as far as members are concerned. But no German? One of the members, John Kay, is actually of German descent, but he's actually American. So, uh, But this band was formed in 1967. It consists of John Kay, who I just spoke about, who mm-hmm. is lead vocals and guitars, Goldie McJohn, organ and piano, Jerry Edmonton as drums. All those guys right there were of the former Canadian band, The Sparrows. Once they got to L.A., they put some ads in some local uh music shops looking mm-hmm. for other members and that's when they picked up michael monarch on guitars and rushton morive on bass guitar so they were able to recruit them into the band and they named themselves steppenwolf now steppenwolf has sold over 25 million albums worldwide they are a perfect example of one of these bands i would, I would say with the exception of their two songs born to be wild and magic carpet ride they've kind of been lost to time a little bit. Now, those songs yeah. are featured heavily in a lot of movies, a lot of music. They've both been covered multiple times. And I think most people, even if they don't know who Steppenwolf is, has probably heard both of those songs. Yeah, and John Kay's got a very recognizable wailing voice of Born to be Wild. Yeah, he does. It's, <laughs> it's really interesting. You, you've heard his voice. But as a band, Steppenwolf, you know, the name actually comes from a Herman Hesse's novel of the same Mm. name, Steppenwolf. Honestly, don't know what it means. But the band has released 10 studio albums as the band Steppenwolf, and then they released four more albums later in their life when the band was called John Kay and Steppenwolf. That's when the rest of the band had broken up and they'd been through a number of things. All in all, they've released eight gold albums, one platinum album, and 12 Billboard singles, which hit the top 40. Uh, three of those top 40 hits actually made the top 10, and that would be Born to be Wild, Magic Carpet Ride, and Rock Me. They were nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017, but they were denied entry that year, and they haven't been nominated since, which is kind of a shame. But well, That is tragic, because I gotta say, Born to be Wild um, was like the go-to rock and roll song. Well, let me bring that into yeah. it. So... And we'll get to that a little later, but the song Born to be yeah. Wild was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall okay. of Fame in 2018. But the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, in my opinion, is mm-hmm. a piece of shit. So just pl- putting it plain and simple. Yeah. I mean, you look at some of the people that are in there and some that aren't, and it's just, it's a shame. And mm-hmm. I don't think any of them know what they're doing. Yeah, I, I don't go to church there. So the the band had their major breakthrough with their third single they released, which was Born to be Wild as well as their single, The Pusher, which both singles are on this album, and both singles were part of the 1969 film Easy Rider, if you've ever seen that. Mm-hmm. That's really what kind of kicked them into stardom. And So, yeah, with Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. yeah, Easy Rider. It's a great film. So on their second album, which had a very unique album name, it was titled The Second. It had their second big hit single, Magic Carpet Ride, which had actually reached number three in the U.S. charts as well. So they Mm -hmm. were off and running with the first two albums. They had multiple lineup changes in 1970 and 71 until the band finally broke up in 1972. They did get back together for a reunion from 74 to 76, 76 to 80. They were called New Steppenwolf, and it basically involved John Kay and a revolving door of other musicians, and it really uh. <laughs> wasn't the original Steppenwolf. And then John Kay led the band, and it was known as John Kay and Steppenwolf from 1980 mm-hmm. to 2018, which is really kind of how the band left, and he finally decided, mm-hmm. hey, we're done well, after 2018. I kind of feel like that uh, it brings an image of like uh, Steppenwolf on the yacht, and then John Kay and the dinghy being towed behind. But it's really backwards from that. John Kay's got the yacht, and the dinghy has a rotating um, crew of 
the different band members as it goes. Through. Yeah, and I don't know the particulars of it. Maybe they're all right with their uh, residuals on these. Who knows? You know, they're doing better than I am. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I'm sure they are. <laughs> but you want to get to the album? Let's do it. And now it's time for the album review. Okay, so Steppenwolf's debut album, self-titled album, Steppenwolf. It was released on January 29th of 1968 by ABC Dunhill Records. So the album was recorded at American Recorders in Studio City, California, produced by Gabriel Meckler, which he actually co-wrote a song on this as well. It did reach number six on the Billboard Top Charts in the U.S. The song Born to be Wild, which we talked about earlier, reached number two, which was really the song that propelled the band, you know. The song being out, the song being on Easy Rider, I mean, that really pushed the band into notoriety. And it's really funny, it surprises me that song didn't reach number one as much radio play as that song still gets to this day. And it's huge as far as movies and oh, yeah. TV is concerned. Everybody's heard that song, whether in TV, commercials, television shows, movies, it's everywhere. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't know that song, but I bet you there's... Babies know that song that haven't even been born yet. Yeah, but I bet you there's many of those people. I would I would guess, and I'm just guessing, the highest percentage of those people don't know who sings the song. Exactly. And who, doesn't know who the band is. Who sings Born to be Wild? Uh, yeah, the ex- Bee Gees? Exactly. <laughs> okay, so we'll go through the band one more time. The band consists of John Kay on vocals and guitars, Michael Monarch on guitars, Goldie McJohn on organ and piano, Rushton Moreve on bass guitar, and Jerry Edmonton on drums. And th- this was a very successful debut album for any band, and, you know, and certainly for Steppenwolf, and it featured both the songs Born to be Wild and The Pusher in the film, Easy Rider, like we spoke, and that's really mm-hmm. what pushed this whole thing to the, the front. Not to mention they were just simply good songs. And it makes you wonder how many bands, you know, because these guys became popular because the way those songs were featured in in a film or certain songs featured in television or things like that it makes you wonder how many good bands are out there that just really didn't get noticed because they didn't have that push well there was also some other bands that were really big at the time that were featured heavily in a movie and then they dropped off yeah and they're forgotten to history and and i really liked the song the pusher and it was also in the film but it, mm-hmm. it's certainly i don't think most people would recognize that song i mean it's not even no listening to it i recognize it that i've heard it mm-hmm. but i have never actively listened to it like i did tonight well and i prefer that song the born to be wild but we'll get mm-hmm. into some of that yeah. as we go through so this is the only album the band released in both mono and stereo which you go into 67 68 right around that time and they become quite quite a thing you know mono switching over to stereo and, and a lot of bands were releasing them in both but it, it soon became stereo only right soon after that and the cover's kind of interesting cover. It's basically just a psychedelic picture of the band. It's somewhat psychedelic. It's got some kind of plants or faunage in the background. And I guess on the original release, it was actually a silver backing. But the later releases were kind of an off-white backing. And the release we we're listening to tonight, it's one of the newer, I wouldn't say newer, but two or three years after the original release and actually has a little black box that says featuring born to be wild because that was after and and we've seen that with the moody blues where it said featuring knights in white satin remember after the song hits it big and they do you know secondary releases they put that on there as promotion so after they figured out what their big hits were then they release it in the united states and they're like oh by the way that song that everybody's playing and everybody loves it's on here yeah and that's what they did with knights in white satin that's what they did with this so this album is certified gold in the U.S. with just under 1 million album sales total in the U.S. Yeah. It's a, it just proves to me that if you ask people if they've heard the song Born to be Wild, they'll say yes. If you ask them who sings it, they have no idea. Because under a million album sales, that, I mean, just under a million, that's real low for as, as popular as that song is, wouldn't you say? Yeah, uh, I would certainly say. I mean, the single sold more than that. Right. And that's kind of the one thing you had with the albums back then is you wouldn't have to buy the album. And it's kind of it's kind of went full circle because now that we're on digital music, number one, you don't have to buy anything anymore, but you stream the song you like. And even when Apple Music first came out, you were buying songs here and there. You would buy the popular song and not the album. The Mm -hmm. album is kind of a lost art, which is what we're trying to keep in play here. Right. Because even I who. I consider myself a huge classic rock fan. And 
but I'm not super familiar with Steppenwolf. You know, I know their hits. Yeah. I'm, I've heard all these songs before, but not frequently. I don't visit this album, but, you know, this, this one may have changed my mind. But also the practice of going through the entire album, that's where you find the little hidden nuggets that you love that not necessarily love because they're popular or because everybody else loves them. But that's where you find your songs that really make you. Well, I agree. And if, if you like a song like Born to be Wild but suffer that severe, severe overplayed yeah. from songs, which I do from that one, that mm -hmm. one certainly is. But yeah. if you enjoy it, and I say, what else does this band have that I may enjoy? And that's where you really need to delve into these albums. So yeah. that's we, why we're here. <laughs> should we delve into it right now? Let's do it. Side one here. Side one. Okay, so side one opens up with Sookie Sookie. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a cover song. It was written by Don Covey and Steve Cropper, and it was actually sang by John Kay, as all songs on this album were, thankfully. Mm -hmm. Now, this is basically a song about dancing. It's about yeah. letting, leaving it all out on the dance floor. It refers to several dances in this song. I never knew that until I researched this a little bit. I don't really care about that because, to me, it's just kind of a groovy song. Now, this was the B-side of Magic Carpet Ride later on. It mm -hmm. actually was the B-side to another song that we'll get to a little later, but they did release Magic Carpet Ride off their second album, and this was the B-side to it, and that single did reach number three. The B-side, Sookie Sookie, reached number 93 in the U.S. Actually, number 91, I should mm -hmm. say. Well, I mean, within the top 100, that's not bad. It's not bad. So what are your thoughts on this song? Uh, first of all, I, I've got a question that I don't know that there's an answer to. What is a Sookie? I don't know if it's a dance or I, if it's the, I'm the guessing, action of doing a dance. I'm, ge I'm guessing it's a club hopper or a club bunny. Is that a thing? Is that a term? A bunny? If you just made a it up, hopper. it is. All right. You, you heard it here on Classic Vinyl Podcast first. I coined the phrase club bunny. That's what I assume a sookie sookie is. Okay, um, so someone traveling from club to club. Yeah, a girl, that just, a girl that loves to go to the club and dance. Well, wait a minute. Does it have to be a girl? I think it does. Okay. Because I, I don't think that uh I don't think that John Kay's going to look at another guy and say, Let it hang out, baby. Well the world is different nowadays. It is. I mean I mean, he he might very well might have, but yeah, leaving it all on the dance floor. Because there's nothing more important in life than what happens at the club. So what are your thoughts on the song? Pretty good song. Very jazzy, good guitar, very well put together, catchy tune, but it it wasn't uh it wasn't a favorite. Just good album filler for me, really. What were your thoughts? You know, I really like the guitar intro on it. I've always liked John Kay's vocals. They carry through it. He's just got mm -hmm. that. It's in a way kind of reminds me, not the vocal style, but he reminds me of Alice Cooper in the way that he constrained the vocals, but they yeah. sound but still straight. Sound good, and you yeah. can understand them, too. You know, it's not mm -hmm. crazy. It's got it's got a good bass line in it, and like most songs, songs on this album it's got good little guitar licks it's got guitar throughout that is just excellent short mm -hmm. little guitar solo that's good the drums this is one thing you're going to hear me repeat on this the drums are good but they're mixed in the back a little mm -hmm. too far i i think they could be stronger there's only one song on this album where the the drums really shine and that's later on yeah yeah and you know it's got a little bit of organ in the song and it's pretty good mm -hmm. you know the ending of the song is kind of weird. It just drops straight off and ends. But it was abrupt, but yeah, an abrupt easy ending. to tell where the break was. <laughs> yeah, there there was no carryover to the next song. But mm -hmm. speaking of the next song, it's yeah. Everybody's Next One. Now, this was written by John Kay and Gabriel Meckler, the producer, which I told you, and it's sang by John Kay again. This has got, if you recognize the Doors song, You Make Me Real from Morrison Hotel, it's got the prominent riff on this song, The Doors, so-called. Mm -hmm quote-unquote borrowed for their song you make me you make me real so if yeah. you know that song it is a direct lift without a doubt what are your <laughs> thoughts on this song i really like the electric guitar and i love that riff by the way this is a really nice song about um a girl who's doing all the right things with the wrong guy <laughs> and uh she's you know just a good girl that keeps getting screwed over uh she she just wants love but I guess she's just, uh, you know, a six or a seven. She's not that 10 that the guys are looking for. And so she gets panned over. Um, but hey, she's um, she's not bad for spending some time with. And she uh, says all the right things, does all the right things. But she's just not the kind you're going to take home to mom, I guess. 
Yeah. That that's what I gather from it. Yeah, what were your thoughts on this song? Um, it's got a kind of an interesting piano organ intro that I don't really love. That's the only part of the song I didn't really like because then it kicks in the guitar and I really like it. Yeah. The drums once again are a little trebly and mixed to the back. It's got a decent bass line. And to me, the vocal and the sound all around on this was very 60 sounding, you know, yeah. kind of poppy band, 60 sounding. It's got good little guitar licks and it's got a good little simple guitar solo in the middle that kicks over to a crunchy guitar. I I like the song, you know, I, I think yeah. besides the solo and I think if the drums could have been or not the solo, my apologies, besides the intro, which I thought mm -hmm. was a little strange for the song, might have been better with just a straight guitar intro. That and the drums being mixed a little far in the back because you can tell there's some good drumming capabilities there and you can hear, you just can't hear them real well, right? Yeah, exactly. This song, I think, is one of those songs that is going to speak to somebody out there. So like what I was saying before, you got to listen to the whole album to find that song that really resonates within you. This is a song that's going to resonate within somebody, I think. Yeah, and I, I did like the little guitar licks in it especially, but it kind of carries on that theme through the album of yeah. Steppenwolf's sound. Yeah. That moves us on to song three, which is a song written and sang by John Kay. It's basically written as a tribute to Chuck Berry, which is mm -hmm. says it all in the title, Berry oh, yeah. Rides Again. <laughs> And they reference 12 different Chuck Berry songs in the lyrics. So, <laughs> yes, they do. I mean, it straight out a Chuck Berry song. You know how mm -hmm. much they're like. And, and it sounds like a Chuck Berry song. It's old oh, it style really rock and roll. The piano, everything mm -hmm. stands out. You know, the piano to me sounds just like Jerry Lee Lewis. The guitar mm -hmm. sounds just like Chuck Berry. What are your thoughts on this song? This was an excellent um, Chuck Berry tribute song. This is a straight up rock and roll. This is exactly what Chuck Berry was all about. And you know what? This was one of my favorite songs on the album. This one really had me tap my feet along. And what were, what were your thoughts about this one? It was okay. I definitely didn't like it as much as you. It was a good mm. little rocking song, and there's nothing wrong with it. It sounds just like Chuck Berry, like Chuck yeah. Berry and Jerry Lee Lewis had a baby. Exactly. To me, the biggest thing for it is it, it seems more like we're paying tribute to him, but this yeah. doesn't sound like anything else on the album. This is not a Steppenwolf song. That's a good point, because there's another song on this uh, that's on side two that sticks out like a sore thumb. But this one, I really just, standing alone for itself, I really enjoyed it. No, it's a good yeah. little song. It's got but a decent guitar in it. You're, you're right. It does not fit on the album with the rest of it because the rest of it kind of has a, an underlying theme or sound or there's some thread that ties it together. Yeah, and right? this this could have come out straight off yeah. a 50s rock and roll album. And like I said, to me, this mm -hmm. is Chuck Berry and Jerry Lee Lewis having a baby and it's a, yeah. a, a straight tribute to them. And it, I think it plays out to exactly what it's meant to play out to be. Mm -hmm. The vocals, to me, are the strongest thing in it, but it's a good little rocking song. It yeah. just does not fit, and <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. that's my biggest thing. So so that moves us on to song four, which is another cover on the album, a very famous cover, Hoochie Coochie Man, mm -hmm. which was originally written by Willie Dixon. Willie Dixon done it, Muddy Waters done mm -hmm. it, and this one, again, is sang by John Kay. What are your thoughts on this one? Oh, this is the epitome of a blues rock song. This has that classic blues rhythm. Do, 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 do. This song, now lyric-wise, it's blaming being a womanizer on what his mom was told by a gypsy woman. So, you know, it's a little bit of a scapegoat there. But even so, I really had fun with it, and there's a little bit of Wolfman Jack in there. I got a kick out of that. Yeah, John <laughs> Kay does do that with his vocals, and I wrote <laughs> the exact same thing. Yeah, so what was your thoughts about this one? You know... I don't mean to sound like a hypocrite, but mm -hmm. you've got the previous song that sounds 50s song. Mm -hmm. This is blues, but this is done in the style of Steppenwolf. Yes, it is. You can tell it's a blues song. It's got mm -hmm. an amazing blues intro, but the guitar is done Steppenwolf style, and Kay's vocals fit the blues very well, is what I wrote down. You know, and the blues fits this album, because that's kind of what the whole underlying theme is, is that everything's not really great but you know we're doing the best we can and that's what that's one of the things that this song 
which is what we see from a lot of the late yeah. 60s albums, you know, mm-hmm. basically criticizing society. And, and the uh, war, man. Yeah, and America's decisions yeah. in general, you know, whether mm-hmm. it be the war, whether yeah. it be... Government cheese. Yeah, something. Yeah. But this is a good little blues cover. It's got an amazing guitar solo in it, and I love the guitar at the ending. To me, this sounds like blues, but it's done in their style, and I kind of wish they would have done Barry rides again a little more in that style yeah. with a little bit heavier guitar mm-hmm. and mixed it up a little bit but yeah i really like this song i thought it fit in well and i've heard multiple covers and this is probably my favorite version of this song that moves us on to obviously the most famous song on the album probably the most famous song in all rock and roll <laughs> well definitely one of them born yeah. to be wild mm-hmm. so this was written by a canadian dennis edmonton that's his original name. His stage name was Mars Bonfire, funny enough. I, I wow. don't know if he's famous enough to have a stage hippie? name, but I guess he wrote <laughs> a pretty famous song. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the fact, his name's Edmonton, uh, Dennis Edmonton, That's and he's from Canada. That sounds like a stage name. Yeah, that's you know? like a guy named Dallas. Isn't Edmonton a town up in Alberta? Yeah. Right? Yeah, so... <laughs> So what you know? His he chose Mars Bonfire. What is he? A hippie? I think he must be a yeah. Canadian hippie, which, Canadian, are, which yeah. are different. Yeah, they than American hippies. Yeah, they're polite and respect your boundaries, and exactly. they don't eat all of the treats from your fridge when they get high. Or all, yeah, or all the acid. Yeah, that too. So this was originally written by him as a ballad. Now this once again <laughs> is sang by John Kay. This is the most prominent song featured in the 1969 film Easy Rider, which really. Hit them big once again, I'm telling you yeah. again. A lot of people explain this as one of the earliest heavy metal songs. and mm, Could be. Yes, could or could not yeah. be. I mean, that's kind of more opinion-based. Now, this single reached number two in the U.S., number one in Canada, and number 30 in the U.K., which is kind of strange. We've talked about that before, how it hits different everywhere. The, the U.K., they don't really go on long drives like we do in this vast country that we live on. That must be it. So, and this is your quintessential driving song. Oh, I yeah. Mean, every... every Driving, every road trip has this song. Every on. rock and roll driving album <laughs> yeah. that's ever come out has this song on it. Now, yeah. here's I don't rank Rolling Stone high in regard, but we put mm-hmm. these little tidbits on here. Rolling Stone ranks this the number 129th song out of the top 500, and I find that to be quite low. Quite low. For a rock and roll song. Yeah, this one, it's definitely, I'd say, in the top 50. Yeah, but I definitely categorize mm-hmm. Rolling Stone right there with yeah. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as being mm-hmm. a bunch of dumbasses. Yeah, and I think this is a prime example that uh, goes to, you know, for the jury, this is Exhibit A. So, like I told you earlier, this song itself, although the band wasn't, this song itself was re- inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2018. The single is certified as gold in both here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and the U.K., It's been covered by so many bands. I mean, a few of them are The Cult, In Excess, Bruce Springsteen, Blue Oyster Cult, on and on and on. A ton of bands. Any number of those bands could be named if you ask the question of somebody who sings Born to be Wild. They could probably name one of those bands in part of their guessing. They're not going to guess Steppenwolf. Most people won't. No. Well, true true rock fans will. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on this song? Oh, this song, this is, if it has wheels and is moving, except maybe a locomotive, this is the epitome of the driving song, whether it's a motorcycle, a hot rod, you know, just out for a Sunday cruise even. This is the song of, it starts off, get your motor running and head out on the highway. This song just captures all of that. And yeah, it, it written at a, as a ballad should be. This song's just amazing. It gets everybody up and going. And so that's that's why it holds the place that it does. That being said, judging it just on the album, this wasn't this didn't even rank for me. And I think a lot of it is just because I know this song so well. <laughs> it's a, it's overplayed. Yeah, and I, I told you that that's hard for me to judge it because of my judging it on the, the basis of the song. You know, I, mean, I don't even listen to it that much, but you hear it a lot. And you know, as far as a song, it's got probably one of the most recognizable intros on a mm-hmm. song ever. The vocal's amazing on yeah. it. John Kay's vocal is amazing. There's nothing wrong with this song. It's a perfect song. It is. It's got a great yeah. bass line. 
I, I think if I was to criticize anything, it's probably the same thing I would on the others is the drumming is good, but it's mixed kind of yeah. low. And I wish they were mixed higher in the mix so you could hear them a little better. And maybe they yeah. are on some of the remixes. I don't know. We're listening to the original yeah. mix. It's got amazing guitar runs and little licks throughout that are just, you don't even think about it till you sit down to listen to it with the purpose of reviewing it. And the everybody, looks. everybody knows these are guitar licks. Yeah, it, it's just an amazing song. It's just overplayed mm-hmm. times ten. To me, the the little guitar licks and the vocals make this song a hundred percent. Not to mention the lyrics. I mean, the the lyrics are very strong in this song. Just everything, like you said, how it starts out. You know, get your yeah. motor running. It's mm-hmm. it's a straight. So let's move on to the next song. This closes out side one, Your Wall's Too High. Now, this is another mm-hmm. song written and sang by John Kay. Now, this is kind of a blues song again, yeah. but it's got a real sped-up tempo. It's more jazzy. Yeah, yeah, and this was the B-side of the single, The Pusher. And it's basically about someone who won't let anyone into their lives, you know, yeah. doesn't want anybody to break down their walls, so mm-hmm. to say. What are your thoughts on this song? This is a little bit more upbeat than uh, the blues than we've heard on other songs in this album so far. There's lots of piano in it. There's, I mean, the piano features very prominently. I like the message of this song, that you have to risk getting hurt and let people in so that they can love you. But the risk is that, I was going to say they might, but actually they will hurt you too. And that, that just comes with any relationship, that with the joy comes the pain. Some people are just so averse to that pain that they put those walls up and they keep everybody. It, it's a it's a pretty song. I like the message, but boy, it's a long song. It just goes on and on. Pretty repetitive, too. What are your thoughts? You know, I, I thought this song had a really good guitar blues intro. It was decent. It's got good bass throughout. It changes tempo after the first verse, which is kind of weird and kind of goes into another song. And it's got great guitar work. I think the guitar work in this song is amazing. All the little licks and runs and the solos. It's got maracas or something in the middle that are kind of mm-hmm. kind of cool sounding. I, yeah. I can hear them, but I can't hardly pick out the drums. But then it changes tempo and pitch again, and it's like a, a third song. You mm-hmm. know, to me, this is the ta- one of those that we say, hey, this is the tale of three songs. It's kind of yeah. kind of got three different songs in it, which is mm-hmm. strange. It's got a lot going on in this song, like you yeah. said, with the piano and everything. It's got great vocals, which you don't really expect anything less from John Kay, the way this thing's going, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. I didn't think I was really going to like this song because it's got such weird changes, but it is a pretty decent song. It's got a lot going on, but I I like it. The, the redeeming thing for me in this song is the um, the message. I really like the what the poetry says. Yeah, and I wasn't on the messages all. I was listening to the music, and I thought, okay, this is a yeah. tale of three songs, which I thought was strange that they changed, but I actually liked each one individually. Mm-hmm. They were just kind of strange, patched together. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that's supposed to be some sort of a metaphor for this wall that is a metaphor for people blocking others out. But Yeah, it might. I don't know. Well, too much metaphor. I think that he could have been more literal and just... Been a little more but that's what the sixties were about, right? Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a, a beatnik poet, so So should we get to side two? Let's flip it. Side two. Okay, so side two opens up with desperation. Now this is the longest song on the album, running just barely under six minutes. This is another song written by and sang by John Kay. It's got kind of an interesting the way they've orchestrated the melodic bluesy rock intro to it, it's kind of an interesting yeah. intro it's got. Mm-hmm. I wrote possibly about the disillusionment over the state of the United States and the feelings of desperation that come with it. And I, yeah. I shouldn't say possibly because if you listen to the lyrics, it really is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a, a rallying point of a song for the political movements. And, and it basically says, even though there's not much hope for change in the song, right? All we want is universal basic income. Is that so much to ask from our government that we pay for? I don't know what he's asking for, but he's asking for something. Now, one thing I ran into on this song when I was researching a little bit of the mm-hmm. history, it was featured in the video game Mafia 3, which I'm not familiar with that video game, but maybe some of our listeners are. All right. What are your thoughts on this song? The subject is blues, and the music is too, somewhat. It's, uh, it, it's a really good 
uh, intro, what orchestra of melodic bluesy rock. It adds a feeling of refinement to the song that takes it a step up from some of the, from most of the songs that we've heard thus far. And I, but it still fits. This song doesn't stand out like a sore thumb. This song is kind of the quintessential message of the album. And they opened up the second side of it with this song, and I think that they did it perfectly. Let's see, one of the things I that uh, they said in there, it's so easy to do nothing when you're busy night and day. And I think, well, you know, that's so much how we're still fighting that same thing today, where we get up, we go to work, we go home, we get dinner, cooking, and then when by the time we get done, I mean, it's, ready, it's time for bed. We get up and do it all over again. So, I mean, this is like we're all so distracted by our own menial lives that if we wanted to accomplish something, boy, it would be difficult just to find the time to accomplish it. And, you know, we're just a couple of people. So I understand the the lament and the, the message of that song, that desperation. Beautiful song and a really heavy guitar riff that I like. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, this song is somewhat of a ballad, but I think you hit it hit it on the head. It's a heavy song, too. That's what's so weird about this. It's got a weird intro with the organ and guitar, but it works together so beautifully, and it sounds perfect. I didn't know this song very well at all. I know I've heard it before, but I don't recall it, and I fell in love with this song after hearing it. To me, the, the guitar is perfect in this song. For some reason, it's a ballad, but it's a heavy ballad, almost like an early power ballad, if you would. And the vocals on this song are perfect. John Kay does an amazing job. You can feel the pain in, in his vocals, which is really pretty special. It's, you know, you can hear that emotion in his vocals. And it's got an amazing bass line. The song is very subdued, but it's just beautiful. It's got an amazing, beautiful guitar solo in the middle that I like, and I like the ending of the song. It's just really strong and powerful song, and I thought this was an excellent way to open up side two. Oh, absolutely. One of my favorites. So that moves us on to The Pusher. Now, this is another cover. It was written by Hoyt Axton. He was a folk singer-songwriter. Again, it's sang by John Kay. Uh, the band, actually, when they were still called The Sparrows in Canada, this was one of their early songs they used to sing, so it kind of carried over from that. This was also the second song featured in Easy Rider, and it's basically about a drug dealer you know, he's a pusher of hard drugs and he doesn't care if you live or die. He's interested in pushing the hard drugs, right? And this and is that pusher is trying to make a living and he's just a really intense sales rep. Uh, he's got goals to reach. Exactly. This song is a perfect example of where rock meets funk. This was also released as a single with Your Walls Too High as the B side. It reached number 24 in the US, number 17 in Canada, and number 12 in the UK. I gotta say, that is really odd that they chose this song to go opposite of Your Walls Too High, or rather they chose Your Walls Too High to be the B-side of this. You got a very aggressive drug dealer who's trying to push you into buying more drugs, and he's com and then on the other side of the album, he's complaining, hey man, you're putting up a wall. This song's also been covered by many bands, Blind Melon, The Flaming Lips, a bunch of others, I, mm -hmm. bands I hadn't even heard of, but what are your thoughts on this song? You know, this uh, it's got, uh, music-wise, a really haunting guitar wailing at the intro. I love that. That was a beautiful, ghostly, uh, spooky feeling. Yeah, it's know. very slight, but yeah. it's, it's awesome. Let's see. And then uh, uh, later on, the guitars almost sound like sirens, like police sirens at one point. Yeah. Um, the way that they've got them wailing. And boy, it's, it, kind of in those little breaks. Yeah, it's really effective at uh, telling the message of this song. But then, like, the, the whole message of this song is that a dealer is basically an unlicensed pharmacist who's just going to get you the medicine you need that will help you feel better, right? But the pusher, he's into the hard sales, and he's going to try to sell you a ketchup popsicle even after dinner and dessert just to challenge himself. He's goal-driven. He is your... He doesn't care about what's in his way. He just cares about overcoming that and making the sale. He's going to, you know, set up solar panels on the roof. Well, there's no imagery in the lyrics here 
No. <laughs> I mean, it's straightforward. Right? Yeah, it's very straightforward. And I said, God damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pusher man. And I wonder how they got away with saying that that much as a single, which mm-hmm. funny enough, you would have thought it was blasphemous or something like that, or somebody yeah. would have said something about it. But there are certain songs where the term God damn just really fits. And this is one of them. Yeah, it does. And, and you said, you know, for me, the guitar intro is amazing on this. Mm-hmm. This song is pretty slow. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, it's kind yeah. of funky and slow, but it's really heavy. It, it kind, kind of like Desperation, the song before, it's slow, mm-hmm. but it, the guitar adds that heaviness to it. I do mm-hmm. like those little breaks where the guitar kicks back in. It sounds like a siren. I assume that's what they were trying to do. The guitar riff throughout is just amazing on this. It In the organ on it, it mixes in well with the sound. It, the bass line's good. It's got backing guitar licks, if you really pay attention, that are going yeah. on that are really good. It's just even got little bass runs that are awesome on the song. It's it's mm-hmm. funny that it can be so repetitive. If you sit down and listen to it, you think this is a repetitive song, but it's so slow and heavy, but it's got a lot of little things going on in it, and I, yeah. I really enjoy this song. Cornucopia of sound. I love this song. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah. So that moves us on to the next song, A Girl I Knew. And we're going to cut the thread that ties all of them together. <laughs> Are you reading my notes? I guess so. <laughs> so this was written and sang by John Kay and Morgan Cabot. Or should I say it was written by John Kay and Morgan Cabot and sang by John Kay. You almost wouldn't know it because this mm-hmm. is the one song where his voice is not John Kay-ish, if there is a word for that. Yeah, this is, uh, he doesn't sound like himself and this song doesn't sound like Steppenwolf that we know. No, this was the first single they released off the album, which was a poor, poor choice in my opinion, mm-hmm. and apparently everybody else thought so too, because it did not chart. I wonder if they were trying to piggyback on the Beatles' success, because I, this song sounds a lot like Beatles to me. I wouldn't say so much the Beatles, it's just no? kind of the standard 60s that happy-go-lucky song okay. type of thing, you know, this... This song features a harpsichord, which is kind of cool. It is the shortest song on the album at about two and a half minutes long. What are your thoughts on it? First of all, is this a minuet? Because it really sounds like one with that harpsichord. It, it, it kind of sound, does. sounds like an Edwardian uh, you know, ballroom where people are dancing, but they're not allowed to hold hands. But even so, it's a, a sweet little song about reminiscing. I, th- I Like I said, I think this had the feel of... The early Beatles, where this would fit more in with I Want to Hold Your Hand and things like that. But it it stands out like a sore thumb on this album. It doesn't belong. And John Kay doesn't sound like John Kay. That harpsichord threw me for a loop. Whereas I've liked the added harpsichord in other uh, albums that we've done, where it features not necessarily prominently, but it, it features as well. This song, like I said, it just kind of took you out of the 20th century. It was it was weird. Beyond that, do you have other thoughts? Yeah, I it had from the very intro beginning with the harpsichord mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm like, this is weird. The first thing I wrote is out of place. This song didn't remind me of the Beatles. It actually reminded me a little bit of Albert Lee in Love. Oh, it kind of had a weird. Yeah. I don't know. It, you know, the funny thing is, is the drums were probably the most prominent in this song. I could yeah. actually hear the drumming good mm-hmm. in it. It had. A decent guitar solo in it, but the vocal was way off. It didn't sound like John Kay. It doesn't sound like Steppenwolf. It doesn't sound like the song even has anything to do with the rest of this album at all. Exactly. And and I'm not saying anything's wrong with the song because it was a good little song. You know, it's not a bad song. It's not a song I'd skip and say this is the shittiest song in the world. It just does not fit where it's at. The guitar doesn't sound like the guitar on the rest of the songs, mm-hmm. which is one of the very strong points that Steppenwolf has going for it is that guitar. And this song, he takes a break and whoever subs in is just not as good. And I don't even think that they had somebody sub in. I'm sure it's the same guy playing guitar. Yeah. I mean, a good song, it's just on the wrong album. Yeah, exactly. So it moves us to the next song, Take What You Need. Yeah. This is written by John Kay and Gabriel Meckler, the producer again. Sorry, is sang by John Kay. This was the B-side to Sookie Sookie when they released that initially. What are your thoughts on this one? You know, uh, this is a very much directed at the hippie movements. Uh, the hippies need to stop getting high and eating all the food. This is the song that I felt the drums really showcased. 
this is where you see that it's a power trio. They've got the drums, they've got the bass, they've got the guitar. It's it's all playing together very well. It's a power trio of five musicians. That too, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let's see. Basically, he's saying, take what you need, but don't fleece me. You know, there's enough to go around so long as you don't be a pig about it. And they threw a weird false ending in there. <laughs> that kind of threw me off because it stops and then it picks right back up and goes all goes even further and i'm not sure what the purpose of that false ending was beyond that it's just kind of a, a weird song to me but not a not a bad song i like the message of it that hey there's enough to go around just you know don't be a pig about it what do you well, how do you feel about this song well i kind of feel about this one the same way i did about the previous song is you hit it on the head because that was one of my notes is the drums are more powerful in this game. I don't know why the two songs that are completely different than everything on the album, the drums are mixed to the front and you can actually hear them. Why they couldn't do that on the rest, I don't know. Maybe the drummer just was kind of soft-spoken and they're like, well, you know, what What do you think? We need more drums. Let's <laughs> do these songs that have the drums. <laughs> well, and it, it also could be because the, you know, the guitar is featured more prominently on everything else and they've mixed that to the to the front which is not a bad thing you know mm-hmm. but piano intro on this was different i thought this sounded kind of like the birds to me mm-hmm. it had the most it probably had the weakest guitar on it as yeah. any of the songs on the album it just didn't fit it got a, it had a decent guitar intro or a decent guitar outro i should say that yeah. led to the false ending so i mm-hmm. thought it was a guitar outro but then it went to the false ending and then it come back in. There was really no reason for that. I, I kind of, when I look at the lyrics, to me, it's him telling him a girl not to take advantage of him. You know, he's mm-hmm. only got so much to go around. I mean, I, I don't know. That's just my yeah. take on it. Oh, so he didn't have, like, hippies moving in on him. Yeah, to me, it seemed like it was to a girl, and yeah. she was trying to take more advantage of him than she really needed to. I don't know. This, this song was almost a copy of the song before, even though it was a completely different sounding song. This one sounded like the birds to me. Didn't sound like Steppenwolf. These two songs almost were like flown off another album somewhere, another yeah. group somewhere. Now, mm-hmm. the vocals were stronger on this one, I think. It mm-hmm. sounded more like John Kay. So that that part did fit. But pretty yeah. much it's just a you know an album filler for me and not a very mm-hmm. good one at that because it no. just doesn't mix. This this song should have been the weakest song on the album, and yet I don't feel like it was. Yeah. So that moves us on to the last song, The Ostrich. So this was written and sang by John Kay. Now this is a you know a song that's a very bluesy song with a heavy beat. The floor toms in this quite a bit, although you don't hear them a lot. This is another social protest song. You know, basically pretending everything's great and hoping that it turns out okay, but it probably mm-hmm. won't. Optimistic while being pessimistic at the same time. This was the B-side to the single A Girl I Knew, which I thought was strange this was a B-side. What are your thoughts on this song? Why would you pair those two songs together? That's weird. I like this song. I think that this was a very strong song to close the album out with. I think this song tied all of the rest of the album together and laid it out there. And I I think that this got uh, their messages through very well this is a song that i felt tells a story with music so like even if i just listened to the instrumental version of this i'd feel like i was still getting a story just from the way the instruments are played i I really like that the dissonant ending is just perfect for this song like there's you got this uneasiness that the guitars start to bend at the end of the song as they're going out and you just can tell that it sets you on edge, makes sure that you know things aren't okay. And he's got, let's see, he says that there's a line in there. There's nothing you and I can do. You and I are only two. And what a great line, but the problems that we're facing are so magnanimous that it's just nothing that one or two people are going to ever be able to do to fix these problems that are so huge. And that's the pessimistic side of it. Exactly, it is. Uh, So, you know, on the optimistic side, he's like, okay, well, let's be like ostriches, and we'll just bury our heads in the sand and pretend that everything's great. Because we we can't fix what's wrong, so you may as well just ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, you're not going to affect a lot of change that way, but it really deals with those uh, social problems by by sending that message. It's like, hey, you know, this is another way to to handle it and a lot of us are gonna have to do that what are your thoughts about this song well i i thought this like you said i thought this was a good way to end the album it's got an 
interesting intro with mm-hmm. a little bit of a funky guitar and a good bass line. Yeah. It's got those good guitar licks in it, mm-hmm. again, like all the earlier songs, except for the previous two to this, yeah. and so it kind of returns to that. Halfway through the song, it's got an amazing dueling guitar solo that I really like. The imagery in the lyrics is great. You know, it, I, the part, the water's getting hard to drink. We've mangled up the countryside. The air will choke you when you breathe. We're all committing suicide. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's very strong imagery yeah. in the lyrics. And, and I'm not a super big lyric guy like you are, but I, I really enjoy that. I like the way that rhymes, but it also, it, it just paints the picture perfect, right? Yeah, this is an, it, this is an era where music was poetry. Yeah, and it is a great song, and I think to kind of hit on what you said with the with the outro, with the out of tune guitars and the mm-hmm. kind of the piano mix up, and it is it's a good way to signal the ending, but it's also the good way to basically say everything's screwed up, you know. And I don't know if that's what was meant or it's just their way to end the jam session or whatnot, but I thought it was kind of poetic towards lyrics and the meaning of the song yeah every dumpster in the junkyard is on fire you and i are only two people we're not going to be able to put all these fires out so we may as well roast some marshmallows that's what this song's saying okay so do you want to get winners and losers yeah let's uh let's do that winners and losers okay ty like always you're going first i want to hear your least favorite two or three songs the least favorite gonna start from the bottom is a girl i knew out of place you know not a bad song in and of itself but just out of place on the album and didn't fit in with any of the the rest of the songs any of the rest of the songs what it was doing on this album i don't know that was my least favorite then your wall's too high that one it wasn't a bad song per se it just wasn't digging it good message and just felt like it went way too long for what that song needed to be that's what i'm going with is your wall's too high the real low point for me was definitely a girl I knew. And what are your least favorites? Very least favorite. I'm right on par with you, girl I knew. Uh, just didn't fit. Fine song. Not meant for this album. Not meant for this band. My second least favorite was Take What You Need, the song mm-hmm. right after it. I thought those two in, in a row really were weak. I'm going to list a third least favorite. Mm-hmm. And all three of these songs to me, are fine songs. They just don't belong here. And I know this is going to be one of your favorites is Barry Rides Again. I did not enjoy that song from Steppenwolf. I I thought it was out of place on this. And I think those three songs are just simply out of place on this album. You've got 11 songs. Those three songs could have been left out, and this album Mm -hmm. would have been just as strong, in my opinion. I think you're absolutely right. So what are your favorite songs on this album? Well, what are your winners? You know, this uh, this album, if we were to drop those three songs that were your least favorites, I think that I would have increased my rating on this album, now that you mention it. If they would have just gone with eight songs and dropped those three, I would have bumped my rating. Um, well, now, you said you liked Barry's Rides again. Though. I did, and that's one of my favorites. I'm willing to sacrifice it, though. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that so what are your one, favorite songs on this album? Uh, Barry Rides Again. I just thought that was a perfect uh, tribute to Chuck Berry. It's a good song. I, there's For no doubt it about is. it. Now, you are absolutely right. does not fit with the rest of the album. It's pure rock and roll, but it's pure 50s rock and roll, now that you mention it. So maybe I just liked it because I really like Chuck Berry. And Desperation was my uh, other favorite. My top favorite, though, was The Ostrich. Really liked that song. I thought it was a great way to close out the album, The Ostrich. But So what are your favorites on this album? My favorite song on this whole album is Desperation. I love that song. I honestly didn't really know that song before listening to this album tonight. I've heard it before, but I don't recall it. I liked everything about that song. I liked how it was a heavy ballad, and it, it featured everything, and it was done really well. My second favorite song is The Pusher. I've always loved that song. You know, it's one I've listened to for years, and every time I listen to it, I like it. Uh, My third favorite song, I'm going with the cover, was Hoochie Coochie Man. They did an absolutely amazing job taking a blues song and making it kind of a heavy blues song that Mm -hmm. fit Steppenwolf and fit John Kay's vocals, and I I think that was just done amazingly. You know, and I love weird songs, but I everybody knows I love weird songs, or unless this is your first time listening, in which case, hey, my name's Ty, and I like weird songs. 
And that one should have been one of my favorites, but I'm trying to break my mold. <laughs> and when you say weird songs, you're generally talking as far as the lyrics yeah, go. Yeah, lyrics go. Hoochie yeah. Coochie Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought they did an absolutely amazing job on that. And it being a blues cover, you wouldn't think it would fit with what they're doing. But this album is very, probably the best way to explain it is heavy guitar-led blues, you know, yeah. with some really good guitar riffs and the, the voice from John K makes this album for sure. It makes the album. So do you want to get to our album rating? I think so. Album rating. Okay, uh, Tyler. So if this is your first time listening, the way that our uh, rating scale goes is zero to 10. If it's a zero, we burn the album. Never listen to it again. It was junk. Five right in the middle. 10. I go out and buy the album. If it's a 10, it's that good. I'm buying it. And um, we haven't burned any albums yet. And we probably you? won't because I don't see us reviewing many albums. I'm that way. I, if I yeah. know I don't like it, yeah, we're not listening. We're not going to review it, damn it. We're not listening to garbage. We have listened to a couple of, um, what, south of uh, the border ones or just subpar, but nothing that was worth burning. That we've got some albums that are worth keeping. So where I stand on this one, like I said, if they had dropped those three songs, and I would sacrifice my Chuck Berry song as part of that, made it an eight-song album, I would have given this an eight. Where it's at, six. I think those three songs drag it down that far. And one of those is one of my favorite songs. But this is a great album that I think that if you don't know anything other than Born to be Wild, or The Pusher, listen to this album. You might just find a song that you resonate with, that you really like, that's from Steppenwolf that you had no idea. Well, I did. I certainly found Desperation. Absolutely, and Desperation's a great one. Uh, where do you rate this album? Even though those three songs, I think, could have been left out, like I stated before, they're, they're decent songs. They just don't fit the album very well. I give the album a 7.5. I think it's a very strong album. I'm I'm not holding those songs against the album. I'm just not, they're not making the album any stronger. And, and they're not skippers for me. I'll listen to them. They just kind of pop out as not very good. 7.5 on this one. Strong 7.5. I, I, I think you're, uh, you're in the ballpark. I'm probably being harsher than I should be. <laughs> so if you disagree with us, you agree with us, you think we're idiots, whatever mm -hmm. you think, you have any album review suggestions, any suggestions for us at all, send them to classicvinylpodcast at gmail.com. You can certainly reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter if you'd like. Keep in mind, give us some ratings, reviews, share us with your friends. It all helps us out. And any feedback you can give us, we appreciate. But until next time, it's been Justin and Ty, and we say goodbye. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to Classic Vinyl Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Classic Vinyl Podcast for updates, and also share us with your music-loving friends. Mm -hmm.